I uh, realized I haven't said it yet. Happy Valentine's Day. Hopefully you said that to a few others, especially to your Valentine, if that was possible today. It's really appropriate that our Believe series topic for today is community, Christian fellowship, community, because fellowship and community are tangible expressions of love. Love for God, love for his children, and fellowship and the community that we have in Christ are all about love for God and for each other, aren't they? So what does God want us to learn this morning about Christian fellowship? Our key idea for today is this. I fellowship with other Christians to accomplish God's purposes in my life, in the lives of others, and in the world. Would you pray with me as we go to God's Word together? Uh, Father, I pray that you would be on our uh, hearts and our minds today. We go to your Word together uh, so that we can have uh, your wisdom, your insight, the revelation uh, of so much that we would would be without, except that you decided to share this word with us. There is not only this written word of ink on pages, but there is the living word, Jesus, here in these pages. And he is speaking to our hearts today. This word is living and active. And we come to it with that anticipation, with expectation of, of what you would say to each of us today. Somehow, your Holy Spirit interprets to each of us exactly what we need, if we are open, if we are ready to receive. Uh, bless us as we do this now, in Jesus' name, amen. It can never be said that Adele Gabri's neighbors were less than responsible. When her front lawn grew hip-high, they had a local boy mow it down. When her pipes froze and burst, they had the water turned off. When the mail spilled out the front door, they called the police. The only thing they didn't do was check to see if she was alive. She wasn't. One Monday morning, police climbed onto her crumbling brick stoop, broke in the side door of her little blue house, and found what they believed to be the 73-year-old woman's skeletal remains sunk in a five-foot-high pile of trash where they had apparently lain perhaps for as long as four years. A neighbor to Gabri said, this is not really a very friendly neighborhood, you think? <laughs> Eileen Dugan, 70, once a close friend of Gabri's and whose house sits less then 20 feet away from the dead woman's home said, I'm as much to blame as anyone. She was alone and needed someone to talk to, but I was working two jobs and I was sick of her coming over at all hours. Eventually, I stopped answering the door. Was anyone really a neighbor to Adele Gabri? Did anyone really care? Obviously not. Maybe you heard the news this week of another example of how isolated we've grown. This weekend, there was this news came out of a guy in Spain who's a metropolitan worker. He didn't show up for work for six years, but he kept getting his paycheck <laughs> for six years. They all thought he was on some assignment somewhere else. They'd heard about that. Nobody checked on him for six years. Apparently, this too busy nut to care is is uh, not just an American problem. It's, it's in Spain also. 
So how much do people really care about each other in our area? Here in Northern Virginia, a lot of people never talk to their neighbors. They have no idea what's going on in their lives. People keep to themselves. People are isolated. They feel really alone in the world. But God has an antidote for this problem, and it's called the church. God has created a solution. He's created a, a means by which we don't have to live alone. And the church is this community that God created where we can actually care about each other and where we can actually take care of each other. It is a place where we can belong and where people can actually watch out for us. We've got our backs. They're there for us. And they mean it. But maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, so let's stop to consider really what, what humans need. You know, there are some things in life that just kind of go together, don't they? You know, I can name one thing and you know what goes with it. We've come to think of them as one making the other better. Let me see if you can figure out some of these things. We have peanut butter and... Oh, yeah, you got that one? We have pancakes and... <laughs> syrup, sausage, eggs, whatever you say. And we have... We love pancakes, so we got all these things with it. There's meat and potatoes, okay? There's cake and... Uh -huh, okay. And there are people in the Bible, you know, that kind of go together, don't they? They kind of go in pairs. There's, there's, for instance, Moses and Aaron, his brother. Yeah, okay, good. There's Paul and Silas, or Paul and Barnabas. There's James and... Yeah, my brother and I were named after them. And then we just studied recently Shadrach, Meshach, and... Yeah, so these people kind of go together. And some things in life just kind of go together. At least they're supposed to. Uh, like, like people. People need each other. It's the way we're designed. It's the way we're created. People complement each other. Not with an I, with an E. You know, they, they, they fill each other out. They, they look out for each other. They may even complete one another. And some people want to deny this. You know, some people argue that they don't really need anybody else. We can do it alone, they say. They say, well, look at the Lone Ranger. But they forget that the Lone Ranger had Tonto. And they say, well, look at Robinson Crusoe. But they forget Robinson Crusoe had his man Friday. Okay? And they say, look at Tom Hanks' character in Castaway, Chuck Nolan. But they forget even Chuck Nolan had Wilson. Well, that's not a very good example because Wilson was a volleyball after all. But, but you get my point, don't you? We need other people. And King Solomon, who's reportedly the wisest man who ever lived, said in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, these words. He says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So uh, this, is, this is what I want you to think about. Two are better than one. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. What is the principle being taught here? What is the value of two or three over just one? Well, the Bible lets us know that we need each other to make it in life. We need other people. Going way back to the creation of man, God is creating Adam and Eve. And first of all, he says, let us make man in our image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. But then, when it comes down to the actual creation, he, he, 
he takes the dirt and he forms Adam and he breathes into him the breath of life and he becomes a living soul and Adam gets up and he starts living and he sees you know the world that God has created this perfect world he's fellowshipping with God and he's he's naming the animals and he's working in this garden of Eden and everything but God finally makes this comment about him. Looking at Adam, he says, It is not good for man to be alone. And so he causes Adam to go to sleep, and he takes a rib from his side, and he creates Eve. He, God created Eve, and look how far that got man. Look how much better it is for man. Adam was incomplete without Eve. They completed each other, and mankind from that day on has fared better, far better, in community than isolated. He can survive alone, but he will not be all that he could be alone. There are going to be times in our lives when we are overwhelmed by our circumstances or our needs. We're going to get exhausted in our work. And this pointed out in this passage of Ecclesiastes, you know, that the two can do a lot better than one, you know. And we're going to fall down, and we're going to get cold. And, and Solomon gives these examples but there could be many, many more. We could have this inexhaustible list of problems where you come up short. You don't have enough in yourself to make it in life. People are hurting all around us, aren't they? And when these crises come, when we fall down, we need to have somebody that comes beside us and gets us back up again. And when we have a friend or two willing to do that, we can survive, we can succeed. But as Solomon says, pity the poor guy who has nobody. Pity the poor guy who is really all alone in the world. And it's not just the crises of life he's talking about. He's talking about day-to-day -day existence. He's talking about making your mortgage payment. He's talking about putting food on your table. He's talking about clothing your children. Or about some of the basic needs of life. Ecclesiastes 4.11, Solomon says, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Now, that really that really touches me this morning when it's so cold outside. It's like, whoa, we need this. And I'm not suggesting that we all move in together. That, that's, not, that's really not in the heart of God. I, I'm really glad that he doesn't want us all to live together all the time. Could you imagine one giant bed, the whole congregation? We're going to stay warm this way. That's, that's a ridiculous thing. We're all going to move in the same household together. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a principle, isn't he? A principle that we need to recognize, that there is wisdom and strength and there is greater effectiveness when we work as a team, as a unit, rather than each of us working alone. And we call this fellowship. We call this community. We call this synergy. When people can do so much more together than they ever do alone. And that's why God created the church. Because as believers in Christ, we need each other. I like what Matthew Tao said to his congregation. He said, church is not the building you meet in. It's not the songs you sing. It is primarily people. But in that, it is broken people who are unified around a mission. This is not bridge club. It's not a country club. It's not a political party. It's not a cult. Church is broken, beautiful people that God unifies and empowers so that they can do something amazing, so that they can fulfill a mission to change people's lives and ultimately show people how awesome God is. That's what church is and that's what this church is striving to be. God brings imperfect but forgiven people like us together into the church. 
infusing us with his power so that we can help each other and accomplish his mission in this world. Now the main verses for today are in Acts. In Acts 2, 44 through 47, we're going to read in just a few minutes some verses uh, there and a few more. And they, they illustrate for us what the early church was like. When God first made the church, what happened? Because the closer we can get to that source, if we can go so we get back to that beginning, the better off we're going to be. We need to understand what Dr. Luke has been talking about here in Acts chapter 2. He's been talking about the opening day of the church, hasn't he? It's called the day of Pentecost. He's been talking about how Jesus had left. He ascended into heaven. He left the disciples behind. He said, I want you to just stay here. I want you to pray. And I want you to wait until you are clothed with power from on high. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they, they began to speak in languages that they had never spoken before. They went out into the streets of Jerusalem, which was filled with people from other nations, and they began to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And on that one day, when the good news was preached for the first time, 3,000 people came to Christ in a single day. In a single day. Amazing thing happened. And then he picks up from there, verse 42 of Acts 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Hold on to that word, common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. I want us to think about a couple things here. First of all, I want you to realize that God placed people in the church. They didn't even know there was going to be a church. Jesus had mentioned it a time or two. Gates of hell will not prevail against the church or will not be able to withstand the church, really is what it says. He's mentioned the church, but he hasn't explained church. And nobody in in human place, you know, decided, we're going to make a church. This was God's thing from the beginning, from the get-go. They did not make this choice, and we have all been placed in the church of Christ by God. And he places us there on one basis and one basis only, that we have made Jesus our Savior and Lord. And when a person decides that Jesus is their Savior and Lord, then God adds them to the church. Not even really a choice they make to be part of the church worldwide. Our unity and our community are given. We need to really hang on to that. But what we make of them is up to us. God places us in the church. He says, You're part of the church now. And here's what the church is for. I make the most of it. And three main points are found right here in Acts 2. Probably look at a bunch of other things. But I want to focus really just on three simple words that talk about the fellowship and the community of the early church. In very, very simple terms, as expressed in the first century church, they are giving, meeting, and eating. Things we're very, very familiar with. Look back at verse 45 and 46. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. 
and they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So giving, taking care of each other's needs, nothing that I have is really my own. You know, I, I just share that with you. If you need something, it's my responsibility, it's my privilege to share it with you. Meeting, regularly meeting together for worship, for Bible study, for prayer, for encouraging one another to continue growing in the Lord. And eating, we always have eating. Remember one guy came here one time, he says, if we be meeting, we be eating. <laughs> you know, that's the church. We love to eat. But it's not just about food, is it? It's about sharing hospitality from one household to another. Not just at the church, but in our homes. From home to home. Eating represents really more than that. It's about sharing daily life. Not only in the assembly, but in the, in the homes. And so let's break this down a little bit. Let's, let's take just a moment to think about giving for a moment. Bible scholar R.P. Martin says that this giving dimension really has three expressions. There's three levels here. First of all, there's a level of God giving. God gives to all. God gives freely. He blesses us uh, with a share in this fellowship. He invites us in. He joins us. He invites us into his family, and he's the father. He's, he's the head. And that is invitation and only because of his blessing. We all have a share in this fellowship of the saints, the children of God. Second level, he says, each of us give. We have opportunities to give to each other. Something that, that we've been given so we can help others that maybe are lacking that. And we can choose to help them as their needs arise if we have it in our hearts to do that. And then the third level, we're receiving. We may also at times benefit from the fellowship because we're now the person that's lacking. We're the person that's a little bit short on things. And the fellowship reaches out to us. They share with us. And in so doing, the community takes care of itself in love. Now if you flip over in Acts to Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it gives a further expression of this giving thing and how they took care of each other. It says there, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. I, I just love that. I can just see grace kind of flowing, you know, just kind of running over. There were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Even gives an example, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So giving is this first dynamic of the, the body, of the, the community, the fellowship. And then secondly, there's meeting, which is meeting regularly together for worship and, and Bible study and prayer and uh, reaching out to the community, all kinds of reasons for meeting. Meeting is getting together on this weekly basis, or maybe even more often than that, to encourage one another to continue growing. Luke tells us that the early church met every day. There's some power to that, that they were so invested in each other's lives, so, so involved in each other's lives, that they saw each other every day. This isolation starts when we only see each other once a week or maybe every two weeks or maybe once a month. There's a problem there. Verse 46 says that they, they met daily in the temple 
and from house to house. In other words, they had the larger gathering of the body, the entire community, which assembled in the courts of the temple somehow. And they also had smaller gatherings as they hosted each other in their homes. Why did they get together every day? Because they needed each other. Because they, they needed the impact that each other could have in their lives. They had decided to follow Jesus. They needed to be with others who had decided to follow Jesus because they stuck out. They, they were not part of the bigger community in the same way anymore because now they belonged to Jesus. They didn't belong to the Jews. They didn't belong to the Romans. They didn't belong to, to, to any other cultural thing. They had separated themselves from that by their faith. And they needed those who had like mind, like faith. And the fellowship they had was called koinonia. Why don't you hold on to that word? Put it up here for you to see. Koinonia is a Greek word. It means sharing life together. We have a fund here at our church that's called our koinonia care fund. One percent of all the offerings go into that fund so that when somebody in the congregation needs a little extra help, there's money for that already set up. And, and uh, it's really blessed some things. Recently, we shared $1,500 with somebody in the congregation. Sometimes it's $50. Sometimes it's $200. It can be all kinds of amounts. But the point is that it's there so we can take care of each other. But koinonia is so much more than money, isn't it? It's so much more than just having a, a, a fund set there to take care of somebody. It's the time spent getting to know somebody. And time spent learning from somebody else. It's time spent growing together spiritually and virtually every other way. But not everyone really gets this point. Not everybody really appreciates koinonia and why it's so necessary. They don't appreciate the dynamic of this. They think church isn't important. And so the scriptures speak to that. It warns us uh, of the danger of such an idea to, to say, I don't need that. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. That's the day of Christ's return. You know, there, there's, a, there's a, a dynamic here going on here. When we meet together, there is something that is done for your faith and mine when we are, you know, toe-to-toe -to -toe and face-to-face -face and, and we're looking to the Word together and we're praying together and we're worshiping the Lord together. And when you miss that, when you... When you cancel that. When you say something else is more important than that, you are shortchanging yourself and you're shortchanging the impact you can have in the lives of your brothers and sisters. And some people have forsaken the assembly for something else they'd rather do. Or maybe they haven't seen the value of meeting together. Or maybe they're at odds with somebody in the fellowship, so they're avoiding them. But for whatever reason they may have, it's sheer foolishness to neglect the meeting of the brothers and sisters in Christ. Because God brought us together. And when we meet regularly, we share life together and we help each other continue growing. Thirdly, there's this element of eating. We love to talk about eating. But this is just an expression, really, of the physical part of this, the daily physical part. It's, it's sharing of one household to another and, and just having life experiences together. And we, we pray that no one is left out of that. 
And it brings fellowship and community down to the most basic elements of life. Because that's how important fellowship and community are. And when they are neglected, really everyone's suffering. Uh, you know, if we're thinking that somebody has a trial that's going on and they don't tell anybody, they're alone. They don't need to be alone. We wish they weren't alone, but we don't have a clue if they've gone through this. We talked about that this morning in our Sunday school class. You know, people are, are, are reticent. They're, they're unwilling to talk about those because they look weak or, or they, they look like they think somebody may look down on them because they, they're, they're failing or, or maybe they're not achieving everything that they should. And so they don't mention it and they suffer alone. Uh, one of our ladies, Judy, her mother's passing away, we understand, today. I mean, she's in the process of dying today. And so we're reaching out to Judy because she reached out to us and we let that, let that be known. As we know about these things, we can respond to them. And so we share life together. There are many passages that are in our book today. If you, you want to read through those about the one another passages are on pages 270, 271 or so of the Believe Book. And over and over again in the Bible, we have this care for one another, bear with one another, uh, encourage one another, love one another. The reason for that is that we need to eat together. We need to share life together. We need to be there for each other in the days, ups and downs. And uh, the, 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 the highs, the lows, the joys, the sorrows, the successes, the failures. We are not meant for separation from God and isolation from each other. You know, I started thinking about all the examples of community that I've witnessed. Uh, Jane and I have been blessed to be with this congregation 25 years now. And we look back at, you know, all the, the different experiences there, but also, uh, you know, like 37 years, I think it is, of, of full-time ministry so far. Look back to, to the church in Florida we were part of. And uh, we've experienced community at a very, very deep level ourselves when we needed it. Uh, I, of course, immediately thought of when our, our second child uh, was born early and he only lived about three weeks. When Joey was, was born and he was really struggling there at the, the uh, neonatal intensive care unit, I just remember one of the, the young men of the church just showed up. He, he stopped working that day. He had a full plate of things to do, but he left and he came down and he just sat with us in the waiting room. And he stayed for hours. I'll never forget Skip for doing that. Uh, and it meant so much. He didn't even have anything, he didn't have any wisdom to say. He didn't have any answers. But he was just going to be there with us. I remember that. I remember when we first moved here, uh, the end of 1990. And three weeks after we got here, Bill and Myra Pauly were in a front, front end collision. Some of you remember that. Nearly killed both of them. And uh, she ended up one hospital, he ended up at another. She uh, quickly re recovered, but he was out of it for three months. He didn't even know where he was. He, he had no idea what was going on. He was in this coma down at Washington Hospital Center. And I remember the first night when we heard about that, that one of the elders and I jumped in the car in the middle of the night, ran down there and saw Myra first at Potomac Hospital. Then we went down to Washington Hospital Center and saw Bill. And the church rallied around them for months and months and months. Some of you were here. And you know how difficult that was for them to go through that, but the church was there every step of the way for them. And I remember a lot of other things, job losses. The church gets behind somebody, or maybe an illness. Uh, Faye and Bob were reminding us this morning when Melanie had her 
her brain tumor at 13 years old, and, and it was life-threatening. And the church prayed, and, and God brought a miracle to her life and saved her life. Uh, just so many experiences like that come to my mind. Uh, there have been sudden deaths that have occurred, and you know, just in shock, like, wow, what do we do now? Well, we get together. We go through this together. And when families started malfunctioning, you know, and, and it seemed like they're just going to break apart at the seams, that the church gets around them and helps any way they can. And sometimes, uh, you know, they, they split up. And, and so you're dealing with separate pieces. But in the best way we can, we're ministering and we're, we're bringing whatever healing we can to really terrible uh, situations and circumstances. I think of the mission trip, uh, like the one I'm going on, or the, the mission trip of the teens, or or previous trips to India, or CIY, or, or even church camp. And, and when something comes up, that this church responds. You know, there's amazing uh, ways that, that, that new hope always comes through. I remember coming back from India with a group of our people in 2004. We came back with this harebrained idea that let's raise money and build a church for a congregation in India. It's going to cost $17,000. None of us knew where that money would come from. We just came back and said, let's do this. And in a couple of months, we raised $17,000, and we did it. And, and I think, how is that possible? And I remember uh, even my own situation right now, going to Thailand uh, for the fifth time. And the trip expenses are actually a little bit less than they've been sometimes because airfare is lower. But we had these dreams of all these things we wanted to take along and things we wanted to bless once we get there and even solar recharging stations for the barefoot doctors. And we just kind of threw out a wish list, a dream list. This congregation has come through and provided all of that and so much more. You don't even know this yet, but the mission team has decided to send $2,000 extra to buy medicines for the barefoot doctors when they go back to Burma because they had a $15,000 need and only a $10,000 budget. And this small church called New Hope said, we're going to help make up some of that difference, whatever we can do. So this is koinonia. This is love in action. This is fellowship. This is the community of God taking care of each other and working to accomplish God's mission in the world. So what do I want you to do today? What, what, what is it that I want you to apply? Well, two things. First of all, just find a local church where you can share life with other believers where you can meet with them weekly to worship the Lord and to grow spiritually. And of course, where you can eat <laughs> or open your home to them and them to you. And in finding this, I hope it's new hope, but it may not be. You know, it doesn't, doesn't matter ultimately, but you need to plug in and you need to find that place. And then secondly, Join that church. Commit to that fellowship, to that community. Get involved more than you ever have. Maybe you've been the standoff person, you know, that just kind of, you know, sat back and just watched things happen in front of you, and every once in a while you show up and you see it again, but you're really not involved. Don't be that person anymore. Don't be that person that, that treats all the other brothers and sisters at arm's length, you know. Get in there. Wrap your arms around them. Become part of their lives. become part of the community. And God's going to bless you for that. God's going to bless 
this church and so many others like it because you give yourself to that community. I want us to do something this morning as we conclude, which we hardly ever do. Sometimes we do at the end of the service. We're going to do it right now. I want you to just get up from wherever you are. Let's form a circle all the way around the room and let's pray together because we are in community together. Let's go ahead and get up from wherever you are and let's circle the whole room. And this is Valentine's Day, so it's okay if you hold somebody's hand. Come on up and include DJ in this. DJ, back up or whatever you need to do. But we want you in this circle today. Watch out, he's going to run into somebody now. Go ahead, back up a little bit. Oh, it's Joe. It's okay you back up into Joe. That's all right. <laughs> okay, good. Let's all join hands together. This is a sign of our unity and our love for each other. And let's uh, worship the God is, that, that has made this possible. He placed us in the church. Let's thank him for it together. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your love. Um, you have provided for every need of our lives. This world tries to separate us and isolate us. This world teaches us rugged individualism and teaches us to be embarrassed when we fail or fall down. This world, uh, who is run by the prince of this world, wants us to be isolated because it's easier to defeat us then. But you've created us for community. You've created us for fellowship, for koinonia, for us to be involved in each other's lives and to share the ups and downs, the good and the bad and the ugly with each other. And uh, we are there for each other because you made it possible. Lord, bring unity greater than we've ever known to this body of believers called New Hope Christian Church. We're so thankful that for more than 40 years you've guarded the unity and harmony of this church you made it possible for us to stay together. But bless us, Lord, with even greater unity and community as a church. Help us to reach out to one another. Help us to stop and pray with each other whenever we need to. Help us to live life together, to be in each other's homes and apartments and uh, workplaces and schools so that we can really invest in one another and we can really love one another. Bless us, Lord, as, as you make that all possible. And then send us out into the world where we can show that love to all who need you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, please return to your seats if you can find them again. And uh, just stay standing because we're going to sing together as soon as the band gets ready.